asked us. And uh, each one of those statements uh, we're going to be looking at throughout this series and what believing in those can do to our life, what they can do to our relationships, and how those can really uh, hinder our progress from living the life that God wants us to live and really experiencing the life that God wants us to experience. And we talked last week about the battleground and how uh, all these lies are, are like landmines that as you plant your life on them, if without checking it, you just kind of decide you're going to stand there and you're going to put your whole weight on the truth of that statement, it, they can actually destroy you. Um, but I was also thinking this week in terms of these lies, I don't know about you, but I haven't really been in a place where I've seen landmines. I'm not even sure if I could pinpoint what they look like. But this past week, I was teaching my son about lawn care, and he's four. And so you could kind of have a picture of how that is, but the bottom line is, as you're doing lawn care, there's one factor that's always apparent when you're doing lawn. No matter how much care you put, no matter how much you mow and you edge and you water, there's always things called weeds and crabgrass and stuff that really goes against this beautiful picture of the lawn that I, that I want. And so I was teaching my son about uh, our job is to always get after the weeds. The weeds want to beat us. They want us to give up and they want us to kind of buy into some of these lies. Like it's too hard. I'm too tired. I don't want to keep taking care of the lawn. I just want to let it go. And so I was pointing out to my kids, you know, you see that weed there that's over on the side and it's in the sidewalk and it's coming up through those cracks. Like that weed wants to beat us and we have to beat the weed. And how you do that? You got to get down, you got to pull that weed out and you got to throw it away. And then like two days later, it's like, there it is again. And you have to keep going and going and going. And this series is actually kind of talking about a picture like that where we have our minds and we have our life. And what tends to happen is uh, it's not just this fertile grassland where we don't experience problems and we don't believe things that aren't true. It's more like we have part fertile grassland and then some weeds and then crabgrass and ivy and a bunch of stuff that wants to take over the fertile land that, that God wants us to build our life on. And so just like in weeds and lawn care, you have to continue every day. You have to fight for your lawn. It's the same in life. You have to fight for the truth. And if you're like me, what tends to happen is over time, you begin to believe things. And because it entered your head and it's in between your ears, it's easy to think that I've thought it, therefore it must be true. And what all of us need is an alert that's saying, that's not true. That's not real. That's not right. And what we're looking at this series is how to, once those thoughts come, how to counter that with the truth that God gives us. So really, how do we pull the weeds? How do we edge our minds? How do we make sure that in our brains and in our lives, we actually have the fertile soil that God wants to build on, God wants to plant? Okay, and so that's what we're going to be looking at. So just as a re review, this week we're talking about it's too hard. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about I'm too tired. The week after that, it's not what I want. Then it's not fair, and I'm the only one. If nothing else, I hope you will leave here today with those on your mind and something that happens when you say it to yourself. Because what I found about myself is I tend to think this a lot. Like I wake up and I start getting ready and I'm maybe getting the coffee ready. And the first thing I'm thinking is like, man, I am tired. Whew, I'm tired. Man, this day's going to be hard. I'm looking at my calendar. I'm seeing all that I have. Whew, there's a lot of pressure. And 
before I've even started my day, some of these thoughts have come. And if you're like me, it's probably the same for you. So if nothing else, it's helpful to be able to identify these thoughts and how they just appear. Before we know it, we think them. And after we think them, we think that it's true. And that causes us to draw some assumptions. So God wants us to help us in this. So we're going to dig in. So it's too hard. What tends to happen when I experience things that are too hard, I start to ask questions. Okay? And I'm briefly, just in a means of introduction, getting us all on the same page, there's really two types of questions that we ask when things get difficult. Okay? And those are the right questions or the wrong questions. Now, when things are difficult, and when I feel the heat has been raised in my life or there's pressure mounting on me, a lot of times what makes the most sense to me is to ask the wrong kinds of questions. And I just want to go over those. So when facing difficulty, most of the time we do run to the wrong questions. They start something like this, like why? You ever face something that's just at work and you're not sure how you're going to accomplish it? Maybe your boss has given you something and you have a deadline, and you're not even sure what the boss is asking of you, let alone how you're going to be able to make that deadline. Or you're in a relationship with with somebody, and it's just hard. You guys keep butting heads, and you're not getting along, and there's a lot of stress in it. And a lot of times, the first thing that we think in our heads is, why? Why is this happening to me? And that could lead to victim thinking, like we're a victim. Our circumstances are just landing on us. Why is this happening? That's the wrong question. Or, who? Who did this? Who can I blame for this problem that I'm facing? Whose fault is it in this relationship? Whose fault is it at work? So we start with why. Why is it happening? And then we shift to the blame game. Who's responsible for this? And oftentimes we go from why to who, and then it goes to when. Especially when things are hard. One of the things that I ask constantly when things are tough is, when is it going to be over? You guys like going to the movies? I do. I like going to a movie. You, you know, you pay your money and you know you have entertainment for about an hour and a half to two hours. And you know when it's going to be over. And usually there's a problem in a movie. The characters get together, they solve the problem, and you leave there and you're thinking, wow, that problem was solved. Well, a lot of times in my life, my when factor is based on Hollywood. Like, when will this be over? Hopefully in an hour and a half plot where everything will wrap up and I'll leave the situation thinking, well, that was entertaining. I'm glad that's over. But life isn't like that. It's not a movie. Oftentimes, there's so many different people involved, so many different parts of a scenario and lots of different things going on at the same time. And the idea of when will it be over or when will it stop being so hard? It's not the right question. Because it leads us not to looking to move forward proactively. It really looks as just inward, victim, blame, tired, hard. Instead, in these moments, we're supposed to ask the right kinds of questions. They may be like, what can I change about my attitude right now in this moment? This is really hard, but what can I change? Instead of why, it's what. Instead of who, it's maybe how. How can I adapt my approach as I relate to this person? We keep running into these problems. How can I change the way that I respond? How can I change the way that I initiate with them? Or what what can I change about the way I do my schedule? What can I change about the way I handle the pressures that keep on coming? It seems like every week 
Monday happens. And every week, Monday's stressful. And every week, Monday, I think, when is it going to be Friday? Right? Sometimes it's just you're living like for Monday, hoping it gets to Friday. And then the weekend goes faster than the, everything else. And it's again and again and again. We're in this cycle. And that leads us to these, these problems and these lies that just, it's too, it's too hard. I can't keep up with this. You see, asking the wrong questions actually causes us to feed the lies that defeat us. Back to this idea of the weeds that grow in our minds. When you ask the wrong questions, it's like you're taking the crabgrass, you're taking those ugly weeds that get over river, and you're just kind of throwing it in there. Why are they doing this? When is this going to get better? Who is to blame? And the weeds just keep on growing and growing, and all of a sudden, our mind is full. And the good is choked out by the bad weeds. God wants to move us past this. He wants to move us past the victim mentality, the wrong questions, to actually looking to God in the moment for help. We have to learn to ask the right questions. I want to shift gears and look at a story in the Old Testament. Throughout this series, each week, we're actually going to be pulling a story from the Old Testament to really see how people have faced the same pressures, the same lies, the same sort of circumstances that we have faced and kind of what they have done in the moment, good and bad. And today we're going to be looking at the story of Gideon in Judges 6 through 7. I'm not going to read two chapters, but you'll be able to to follow along. I'm going to highlight some of it, and I encourage you to read this on your own. If you've never read some of the Old Testament, uh, I encourage you to do that. You can learn so much about how God steps into history and interacts with people just like he wants to with us today. And you see how he responds, you see how he guides, you see how he corrects, you see how he encourages. And when I read the Old Testament, I actually have hope because people ask things of God that I think, that's what I would ask. And people ask things like, why me? It's the wrong question, but frankly, if God is there, you want to ask it. That's where the Old Testament's helpful. Because you see how God has stepped into history and interacted, and we can learn from that here today. And so let's kind of look and see Gideon, who who actually didn't ask all of the right questions, but kind of see what God did in the midst of that. I want to give you just kind of the background and context to the story. So the, the Israelites really have rebelled and gone away from God. You see that throughout the Old Testament. And honestly, I can relate to this too. Israel, like some points there, we love you, God. We want to serve you, God. We will do whatever you say, God. The next day they wake up, we didn't really mean that. We want to do what we want, God. We want to go our own way, God. We don't really want to do what you say. And what tends to happen, just like in life, is what you plant, the good or bad, it actually grows up. What you reap is what you sow. And so people in the Old Testament, what you find is as they rebelled against God and went away, God in his mercy continued to walk with them. But at the same time, there were consequences. And so right now what's happening in the story of Gideon is they have turned away from God and they have actually been subject to a people called the Midianites. And these people are described in Judges 6 and 7 as like a swarm of locusts. They're people, basically, the the Israelites are building their land, they're building their crops, and they're coming and they're just taking over just like locusts. 
And the people of Israel are experiencing just this, this oppression. They're experiencing this idea of we're building, but it keeps on collapsing. And we're building, and it keeps on collapsing. And they finally get to the point where they realize, we don't want to do this anymore. And there's a man named Gideon who, who is a judge. And the Israelites turn to God and, and we, we, don't, we can't handle this anymore, God. We, we can't do this on our own. We keep building, it keeps on breaking. We keep building, it keeps on collapsing. And we're, we're done. We're done going our own way. We want to come back to you. Well, oftentimes in the Old Testament, what is beautiful is people go their own way, go their own way, and God, God lets them. And they have the freedom to do that, just like we do. And over time, they realize that what they thought the life that they would have apart from God, they cannot have. And they reap destruction. And so they turn in God and his mercy. He sends a messenger to Gideon. And this is Judges 6.12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So he comes to Gideon. And he's saying, okay, the people are crying out. And since you're a judge, since the people are coming to you for advice, since the people look to you to lead, I'm just going to let you know off the top, I'm with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, what's so fascinating about this passage is if, if you're Gideon, a messenger of the Lord comes, like an angel comes to you and begins to say like, O mighty man of valor, a man of strength, do you begin to kind of get freaked out a little bit? Like, I was just here, you know, with my family doing my thing here, and then an angel is saying... I, I'm this man of strength and, and valor and begin to think he's thinking, what, why are you telling me that? Like, what, a, what am I going to be doing here? Why, why am I getting this thing like you're encouraging me, you're putting courage in me, what, what, what's happening? And then it goes on, verse 13. And Gideon said to him, this is a great response, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Wrong question or right question? Why has this happened to us? It's a wrong question, but it is an honest question. It's just what he's feeling. I can relate to that. And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. So the angel of the Lord is coming. I'm with you, O mighty man. Of valor. And Gideon's saying, hey, before you, you encourage me and give me all this strength to, to do something, I just want to let you know that what's going on? Where are you? Why is this happening? Like, I know there's history with you and this people, but right now we don't see you. We don't feel you. We don't hear you. And so he's, he's freaking out. Great response. Courage, encourage, and then freak out. No, but wait a second. Let's just get on the same page here. We're all alone. And the story continues, verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Again, he's giving him a sense, giving him a picture of who he is. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Did he get his question answered? No. I think that was on purpose. Yeah, what, what good was it going to do? Why is this happening? Well, you knew why it's happening. You guys have rebelled. You've gone against the Lord. 
So he doesn't answer the question, but instead he encourages me, go in this might of yours. The reason I said you're a man of valor, because you have might. And oh, by the way, I want you to lead Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Do not I send you? And at that point, that brings another question that you think like, do not I send you? Well, based on all I'm experiencing, I don't know if I want to be sent. I'm sure all these questions were going off his head. Verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So what Gideon is doing is he is just kind of setting the record straight. Okay, there's all this talk about the battle. There's all this talk about me leading an army against the Midianites, these locusts that devour our land. But don't you remember where I come from? I'm from Manasseh. I, our, our town like doesn't even count. Our tribe, like we, we're not even on the map. I didn't even know you knew our name. That's what he's telling. And not only that, but we're, we're weak but in the family, I am the weakest. So you say mighty man of valor, and I say, where is he? Because I'm shivering at the fact that you're talking to me right now. You see the story unfold. He's freaking out. He's, he's saying, I, this is too hard. I don't count for anything. I have nothing to offer. I'm the weakest there is. And what's great about this is we think this within us, right? Many times, Gideon has just basically described what goes on in our head. I have nothing to offer. I'm not good enough. I'm the weakest. I have no strength. I cannot do what you want me to do. So Gideon is describing the battle that goes on in our minds. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So you're going to lead this force, this army, and you're going to attack as one. Did the Lord ask, answer his questions like, no, Manasseh, you know, they're all right. You know what? You're not actually as weak as you think. No, the Lord goes back to the command to move forward, the command to go do what the Lord has commanded you. And that's always what happens. We get into circumstances in life, and you may be facing that right now, just like Gideon, where you're not sure how it's all going to work out. You're not sure how it's going to be, con- how a conclusion is going to come about in a problem that you're facing. You're not sure how you're going to be able to do what you're supposed to do. You're not sure if everything's going to just fall apart and blow up in your face. You just, you're not sure. And all these thoughts are entering your mind. And what happens is, in life, just like what happened with Gideon, is God continues to put us in circumstances that force us to rely on him. And Gideon is telling God, there's nothing here that I have that this is going to work out. This is a terrible idea. And I know you're God, but this is really bad. Because you don't do it. See, God is seeing something bigger. He knows that Gideon, in his mind, thinks he has nothing to offer. And that's the exact thing that God wants to use, and it's the same with us. At the point that we realize that we can't do it, and that it probably is too hard, 
That is the point in which we begin to turn to God and we ask him for help. And that's what's going on. This is part of the history of God working with us. He puts us in environments and situations and circumstances where we are forced to rely on him. That's what faith is. And the story unfolds, and I'm going to summarize briefly. So Gideon had this moment. He's talking with this messenger, and the Lord is speaking through, and he's getting this picture of what he's supposed to do. And like all of us, he still doubts. He's thinking, you know, maybe I ate something bad, and this whole messenger thing is like a figment of my imagination, especially if it means I have to go lead an army. So he, he, he says, you know, I, I need to test this. I need to make sure that this is true, that this is right, that this is really God. And so under the Lord's instructions, he, he says, well, I, I want to make sure that this is what you're saying. And the Lord says, well, prepare a meal, some meats with some unleavened bread, and I will send a fire to, to burn it up. And so Gideon sends, kind of creates this meal, and whoosh, the fire burns it up. And Gideon just, okay, th- that's great. And he, he continues, and he does some more things where he just wants to make sure that this is God, that this is what he's supposed to do. So he's still, he's still freaking out. Despite that God spoke to him, despite the fact that the meal was devoured by the fire sent by the Lord himself, he's still unsure. This gives me a lot of hope because I have known in my life just times where God is speaking to me and I, I read the Bible and I get the sense of something I'm supposed to do. And everything in me is thinking, yeah, I don't know if that, does that apply to me? Like, is that right? Am I reading that right? And it's good to affirm, it's good to talk to people that can give you a sense of what is right and how the Lord is speaking to you. Because a lot of times the weeds can still grow in our mind and we're thinking, is that God? Is that not God? Who? But there's this point in which you know what the Lord wants you to do and you have to decide to do it. And that's what's going on with Gideon. And so God continues to build his faith, and he gives him another assignment. See, the people had turned away from God, and they had actually built an idol to a false god. And so kind of as a tester to show that Gideon has the Lord's strength on his behalf, he tells him, I want you to destroy this idol. Because if you guys are really turning away from the false gods, if you're really turning away from going your own way and you want to pursue me again, you have to destroy this false god. You can't worship Baal anymore. And so Gideon, being from Manasseh, being the weakest in his family, is like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. But he decides to do it at night when everyone's asleep. He doesn't want anyone to know. Like, they're going to wake up and the false idol that was there is no longer there. You could just see Gideon sitting like, I don't know what happened. I heard some noise, but I was kind of asleep. He didn't want anyone to know. And so they, they destroyed the false god. The people didn't take him, string him out, and he, he was okay. So he began to say, okay, God's giving me an assignment. I'm following through, and God comes through for me. And so his faith is being tested, and he's seeing how God responds. And then the moment arrives that really Gideon is being prepared for. The moment Israel turned to follow God again, where they decided we, we don't want to go our own way anymore, this moment of the battle is coming. And the Midianites and the Amalekites come together and they encamp in the valley of Jezreel. And they're ready for the attack on the Israelites. They want to destroy Israel. So God knew this was going to happen, so he's been preparing Gideon. 
you have to prepare for this battle. You have to prepare to fight against these locusts that are devouring everything that you're creating. And this is what God does next. Verse 34 and 35. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him. So God brings support. You're going to fight this army of locusts that want to devour you, but I'll bring you support. I'll bring you help. So at this point, they had about 32,000 men to fight this battle. So Gideon's thinking, okay, God, you told me I could do this. You told me I could fight. You provided the man. We're going to go forward. And then God does something very interesting. He decides that, you know what? There's actually too many of you to fight this battle. There's 32,000 of you, and you do it. You're going to think that it was all on your strength. Could you imagine Gideon at this point? Well, yeah, God, like, you wanted us to fight. So give us the troops, and we're going to do it. And God's saying, well, no, I'll give you men, but 32,000, it's, it's a little too many. So he tells Gideon, go ahead and ask the people. Any of you are frightened and scared, you can go ahead and go home. Does that sound like the worst battle plan ever? They're encamping. They're ready to destroy Israel. And you go tell the people like, just ask them if they're scared. There might be a few. And what happens? 22,000 of the 32 leave. Now, Gideon has not had experience as this general leader of an army. But he's probably looking around and the people are looking at him like, Gideon, this isn't how you do it. Supposed to grow the troop. And so the 22,000, like, thanks, I was waiting for you to ask that. See you at home. Hope you make it. And they leave, and there's 10,000 left. And you think, okay, this is just crazy. 10,000, how is that going to work against these locusts that want to take them out? Against these people that are devouring and destroying and want to come against them. But the story's not done. Continuing Judges 6 and 7, you find that even then, God thinks, you know what? There's still enough for you to just trust in yourself. I know that you guys like to go your own way and you've kind of gone away from following me. And so that there's still too many of you. And in a totally interesting account, he tells Gideon to go, go have the soldiers go get a drink from the water. And the men that reach in with their hands and drink, they're a part of your army. The men that just stick their face in the water, you could send them home. So can you think, like, how is this, like, warfare? Like, how is this tactical? We had 32, now we have 10, and now I'm going to separate them based on drinking from the water? Remember, I'm from Manasseh. I'm the weakest in my family. This isn't helping me plot my course for the greatest general ever. People are going to think I'm crazy. And so the men drink, and you could see Gideon just looking, just trying to give people the, the clues, like the right way to drink. Right? Because he knows, like, this is the classification, and you need to all do this, so I still have all 10,000 of you. But it's whittled down to 300. 300 men are left. Now, if I'm Gideon, I'm just shaking, and I'm thinking, God, if 300, you still think that we're going to rely on ourselves, I'm, I'm done. 
There's going to be 299 because I'm going home. But God sees, okay, now there's just enough of you to totally still be freaked out in your circumstances to rely on me. Isn't that crazy? And in the Old Testament, you find stuff again and again of what God does. He takes our perception of power. He takes our perception of success. He takes this idea of how we move forward toward a goal, and he turns it completely upside down. It's not about you. It's not about your might. It's not about your understanding. It's not about your strength. It's about the Lord, your God, who leads you wherever you go. So the 300 are left to fight the armies that want to destroy them. And what you find later in the, story, in the story is God granted them the victory. Was there a lot of fear? Yes. Was it hard? Yes. Was it too hard? No. Why? Because the power of God moved them forward. And the same is true for us today. We face circumstances like right where we think we're at our limit, another thing happens which causes us to kind of bend more. Something in your house breaks and you're thinking, I, can't, I don't have money to fix my dishwasher. And then you go to dry your clothes and the dryer's broke. You ever had the, the, where your house just falls apart? Or you have like an issue with your kids and right, one kid, you, you know, you've got them on the right track and then you look around and the other two, they're just going crazy. Hey, don't, don't, don't kill each other. That's how it is. It's right when you think it's set, stuff starts to unravel. It's at those moments where it's too hard. It's too hard. I can't do it. I take one step forward. I take seven steps back. It's too hard. I can't do it. Actually, we can do it. Not because of our own strength. Because as we turn to God, he gives us his power. And in his power and in his way, we do what God wants us to do. There's a quote by, by C.S. Lewis that kind of illustrates this in a great way. It says, it may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. He's British, a jolly sight. It'd be a jolly sight harder. Sorry, I couldn't read it. I started to go already. And the next part says, we are all like eggs at present. And you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We must be be hatched or go bad. So what what happens with these enemy thoughts is we begin to realize like we're in this, this comfort of our life and cracks begin to form like an egg. And the cracks form, we're like, My life is cracking, stuff is happening, and I'm going to be destroyed. It's too hard. I'm too tired. It's not fair. It's not what I want. And the cracks are happening. What God is doing is he doesn't want you to stay an egg the rest of your life. He wants you to hatch. He wants you to grow. He wants you to get strength and actually fly eventually. But it begins with the cracks, and the cracks are in our own understanding, in our own comfort zone, in our own cushion, God, through circumstances that are hard, but not too hard, begins to let us realize that we've been living in an egg. It's been pretty comfortable in there. 
And God begins to work as we freak out about the cracks that we're seeing to realize, okay, God, there might be something going on here. I'm not sure. That's what God does. As we experience the lies and we fight them, we see that he's actually made us for something far bigger than what we're experiencing right now, no matter how hard or how painful it is. He doesn't want us to die and stay an egg. He wants us to hatch. Another reality, in spite of what you feel, God knows what you can do, and he wants to help you do it. That's the truth. No matter what you feel, no matter what your mind is telling you, God will give you the power to do what he asks you to do. And it happens, and I want to shift gears to kind of talk about, well, how, how do we do this? How do we, despite all the cracks and all the lies that we just get in our mind, how do we move forward? Well, the first thing is we, we have to shift our focus to factor in God's power. That, that's what was happening with Gideon. 32,000, it's your power. 10,000, it's your power. 300, it's my power. Because there's no way 300 would work. But in my power, you will defeat the enemy. And so I just want to ask you, what, what is God doing right now in your life where he is whittling it down to where you are forced to rely on him? He's, he's kind of, the 300 is it's in your life, in the relationship. You realize you've tried to do all that you can do and you can't do it anymore. And it feels like you're at the 300, like there's no way it's going to work. At your job, you keep more demands and more demands and less time and less time and it's too hard for you to do it. Well, maybe it's just at that point where God is getting you to the point where you, you realize you have to shift to his power. Why? Because God's power provides the victory, just like he did for Gideon, in the battle as we do a few things. The first is, as we tell ourselves the truth. How do you combat the, the lie of it's too hard? Well, Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says this. Ah, oh, Lord God. It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So why is it not too hard? Because as you follow God and you do life his way, you realize that nothing is too hard for him. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. Because when I'm under pressure and I'm experiencing just problems and it feels like I keep banging my head against the wall, I don't come up with thoughts like this. That's right, God. Nothing is too hard for you. I'm like getting like, God, are you there? Remember? My name's Alex. Like, I've known you for a while, but are you there? Left to myself, I freak out. It's the word of God that brings me back grounded to what is true. By your power, you have created the earth and me, and nothing is too hard for you. So you have to tell yourself the truth. We talked last week about the importance of memorizing Scripture. Again, if it's not memorized, how do you combat the lies? Where do you pull it from? God has given us the Bible so we can pull the truth and slay the lie. But you can only use your sword to slay it as you know it. That's why scripture memory, it's so important. 
The next thing, as we shift to God's power, is we have to set our minds to fulfill God's purposes. Just like Gideon, we have different things that we think take precedent, like who we are, what we've done, what we, where are we fail, all the things that we kind of put before God, like, see, you can't use me. I can't do this. Just let me take care of being in the egg by myself, and everything's going to be fine. Well, no, we actually, we must set our minds to fulfill God's purposes. God, I want to do what you've told me to do. And whatever you face, it's probably not going to be leading an army in your lifetime. But whatever you face, whether it's raising your kids and you just, you think it's too hard. You're in a fight to raise them, to believe what is true and what is right. And everything in you, you just, I can't do it anymore. This is too hard. Or in your job, you just kind of want to bail. It's not what you thought it was going to be. You don't enjoy it and you're just, It'd just be easier just to leave. You don't have another job lined up. You just kind of want to bail. You just want to let go. Or there's somebody you care for and you've just sacrificed for them and it just seems like nothing's working. We get to those points where we just have to decide, God, you've given me an assignment to love. You've given me an assignment to be responsible. You've given me an assignment to follow through with what I said I would do. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to fulfill the assignments you've given me. Or I'm going to die trying. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Same power that's with Gideon is with me. Help me to do what you've given me to do. And the last part is you have to take action. So I want you to think, just in your own life right now, what are you facing, really, that you think is too hard? What I'm facing that's too hard is different probably than what you're facing. And if you're married, it's probably different than what your spouse is facing. And if you have kids, they're facing some things that they think is too hard. Each of us have something right now or a few things that's just it's too hard for us. That's the thing we keep battling. It's too hard. And so I want to ask you, just jot that down on your, your notes. Is there just something you're facing right now where it keeps on coming up where you just it's too hard? And I want to ask you, have you been basing the premise of you being able to do it or not based on the 32,000 men that you hope to have or your plan or your idea of how it's all going to work out? Or is it time to, to shift? To turn to God and ask him for help. As I've been relating to my kids, one of the things I've noticed is they struggle a lot before they ask for help. Sometimes just getting milk in a cup. And I know that there's a struggle because I hear like groans from the other room, like, the milk, I want the milk. And, or that's me. Was that, no, but you hear the struggle and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And my son's like picking up the, the milk and I'm just thinking, don't drop it, don't drop it. You know, and just kick the milk a cup. I, and hey, buddy, would you like some milk? Yeah, but I can't get the milk. It's too hard to open. I... You want to ask me to help? Will you please help, Dad? Sure. Lid, milk, here you go. It's the same with God sometimes. We're struggling, growing. I can't do it. It's too hard. And God's like, ask me. Ask me. But no, I, I need to do God, will you, will you help me? Sure. 
lot of times God is waiting for you to ask him. So I encourage you, whatever you're facing, choose today to ask God for help and then take action in his power. So I encourage you to do that. And see God come through. You're still not going to know the outcome. But see God come through. That's how your faith grows. And that's how my faith grows. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to wrap up the service, and I want to ask you to pull out those connection cards that Matt had you, you fill out. And if you haven't finished that, go ahead and finish filling those out. The band's going to be coming up. We're going to be singing through some more songs. And I encourage you, there's some next steps that you can take related to today's message. You'll see that on the left-hand box. The first is to memorize Jeremiah 32, 17. If you don't have this verse memorized, I encourage you to do it. It's a good way to remember the power of God and nothing is too hard for him. If, you don't, if you've never memorized the verse, pick that one this week. That can really help you in the battle. The second is take action to do what God wants you to do. As I had you mention, is there something you're facing that you think is too hard? Take action on that this week in God's power. Ask him for help and move forward. And then the last is the scripture memory, which I mentioned. If you don't know how to memorize scripture, and it may sound like, well, I'm not going to put that on the connection card. Well, here's the thing. We all need coaching in life. Just like in sports, you always need to be coached on the basics. And as you grow, you need to be coached more and more. And it's the same in the spiritual realm. If you don't know how to memorize scripture and you would like some help, and you'd like to figure out how to do that in a way that can help you fight the lies, we want to help you. And so if you put that on your connection card, you'd like to meet with somebody one-on-one, we will get a leader in contact with you who can meet with you and just talk through how to do it and how they've done it. It's also a good opportunity for you to connect with some people that can help you. If you're not ready for one-on-one, you could put small group. And for those of you that put small group, we'll put you in a group with other people, and you can learn in a group of like three to four how to memorize scripture. So I, I encourage you to do that. It could be a great opportunity for you to get to know someone within Church in the Valley and at the same time get a tool that you can use to fight in the battle. So as soon as I'm done praying, we're going to receive our offering and then you can drop that connection card in there. Let's pray together. God, I, I just want to claim Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen: the fact that you are a God of power And by your outstretched arm, you have created the heavens, the earth. You've created us. And nothing is too hard for you. And so while we have many different strategies for how to deal with the stress and the problems we face, it is only you where we can have the victory in the battle. So God, help us to identify the lies. Help us to remember the truth. And help us to take action in your power with what we face. We ask for your help as we do this. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.